Hello and welcome to Sound Strategic, the podcast of the International Institute for Strategic Studies. I'm Ayan Owens. Hi, I'm Antonio Sampaio. Today we'll examine the recent developments in the Gulf and the wider Red Sea region, looking in particular at how the region's relationship with China has developed since the COVID-19 pandemic started. Joining us today is Camille Lunz, a research associate based at the IISS Middle East office in Bahrain. Camille covers the political and security developments in the Gulf region with a specific focus on Gulf countries' economic and political relations with Asian powers and the Horn of Africa. Welcome, Camille. Hi, thank you for having me. So, Camille, let's start with the political relationship between China and um, the states in the Gulf region. How close was this relationship before the COVID pandemic took hold and how has it changed since? So this relationship has been growing quite significantly over the past, I would say, 10 years. And um, the interesting trend is also the diversification of this relationship because um, at the beginning, it was a relationship that was mainly centered on energy uh, exchanges and energy exports toward China. And China is one of the, the main uh, clients of Gulf, uh, Gulf energy exports. But uh, over the past few years as well, um, this relationship has started to expand quite a lot. Uh, it has uh, expanded on the economic sector with, with new investments in, uh, in different sectors, but also... Uh, the political relationship has started to become more and more developed with high-level meetings. And um, one of the trends that people are looking at the moment is also the development of the security relationship and whether or not this security relationship is going to become uh, important or not uh, significant for, for the security or the security architecture of the region. And we see that China, for example, on the maritime uh, uh, activities has been quite uh, present uh, around uh, the Gulf of Aden with uh, the development of the Beijing Djibouti. So this raises a lot of questions in terms of possible cooperation in the future between China and the Gulf states, also in the security sector. We've seen in other countries, Camille, that China has leveraged the COVID pandemic to either punish some countries, uh, for example, through um, some threats of economic coercion or rewarding countries through medical aid. Uh, So how has that played out in in the Gulf? In the Gulf, indeed, the, the, the engagement between China and Gulf states has been very positive during uh, during the COVID crisis. Uh, so China has sent some medical aid quite early on, um, but also Gulf states themselves have been very supportive of China. They've been supportive in their public discourse, praising the way China has been tackling the crisis, uh, but they've been also supportive uh, for sending also medical supplies in return. Um, but also, uh, for example, the UAE has been very useful in term- as a logistics hub for uh, sending medical support or repatriating people uh, between different countries, and they have coordinated with China a lot uh, on this front. And um, and also, uh, the the Chinese officials and uh, and health um, health officials have been uh, coordinating a lot with Gulf states, having some some calls, uh, video calls during the crisis to share their experience and uh, and give some uh, some advice on how to to tackle the the crisis. One interesting also um, thing that happened during the, the COVID uh, type of coordination in, uh, between China and the Gulf states was 
the creation of a detection lab uh, with, uh, with a, a Chinese firm called uh, Beijing uh, Genomics Institute. Uh, and they created, they uh, partnered with the UAE to create a, a detection lab in the UAE. Um, and they partnered with a, a very prominent um, artificial intelligence company in the UAE. And uh, they, after that, they replicated this detection lab as well in Saudi Arabia. And um, so this gives some interesting hints uh, in how the, the tech relationship uh, between China and Gulf states has also been playing out during the crisis. Maybe just to follow on from that, Camille, do we know what the results have been of that um, collaboration with the uh, Beijing Genetics Lab? It's been, it's been very good. Uh, and they, so they had created this detection lab. Uh, they've used it a lot. The interesting um, political uh, part of that has been that um, U.S. officials uh, at, the, at the U.S. Embassy in, uh, in the UAE have refused to send their staff to this uh, detection lab because of fears that their data could be uh, then transferred or, or used. Uh, and, and they feared some uh, lacks of privacy of the data uh, due to the involvement of, the, of a Chinese company in this. Yeah, we will get on to China's digital investments uh, along the digital Silk Road in the Gulf uh, later on in the show. But I wanted to return back to um, the relationship between Gulf states and China, because often we talk about this at a really high level political uh, perspective. Um, and my question is really, how does this play on the ground? How What is the public opinion in um, some of these Gulf states where collaboration between China and the government has been high? How has that played out? Do they largely, does the public largely see uh, China as a, um, a partner, as a country that they can rely on. And I'm asking this because um, in other countries, uh, for example, in, in Western liberal democracies, we've seen a, a more critical tone uh, despite China's attempts at um, providing aid and, uh, um, and um, using different types of rhetoric around the COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, well, when it comes to the Gulf, it can be a bit difficult to really speak about public opinion and have access to that public opinion. Um, when you look at the op-eds that have been published in, in uh, news outlets in the Gulf, which give quite an interesting hint into also what the, um, what the leadership, but also it's, it's a good bridge between the public opinion and, the, and the, what the leadership is thinking. And it's interesting to see how they have, they've been quite praising the, the Chinese approach uh, at some points, you see that uh, they, some of them have been a bit critical also of, of China, but these critical voices are really, I would say, quite minimal in, in comparison with, uh, with the voices that have been praising Chinese approach to, to the crisis. And when it comes to the public opinion, you had some doubts and you had some fears as well and anti-Chinese sentiments that has been rising during the crisis. Um, but the the government has been very proactive in shutting these voices. They have made some arrests to make uh, of people who, who were displaying some anti-Chinese sentiments. Uh, so the 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 leadership has um, the government has replied quite strongly to make sure that uh, the public opinion wouldn't uh, wouldn't spread any anti-Chinese uh, sentiments too much. Um, and another thing that is quite interesting as well is how um, how the Chinese as well have been trying to seduce the public opinion in uh, in Middle Eastern countries 
and they have created, for example, some uh, some channels and blogs uh, trying to explain um, how China was handling the crisis, and they have made a lot of efforts, and they had CGTN had a, a blog in in uh, in 100% in Arabic. Um, targeted towards uh, Middle Eastern public, explaining how China is is um, is tackling the crisis, but also spreading some rumors about the fact that the crisis could come from that the pandemic could come from the U.S. and not from China. So it's quite difficult to know. It doesn't look like um, the public opinion is buying into these rumors, but it's interesting to see how. Um, how strongly China has been investing in making efforts towards the, the 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 communication around this crisis in the Arab world, including in the Gulf. And I think that this has been quite um, uh, effective uh, when it comes to the Gulf. Hmm. And Camille, are these gains by China diplomatically in the Gulf are they necessarily a loss for the other great partner of the Gulf states, which is the United States? Uh, in this area of great power competition. So are the Gulf states sort of choosing China in place of the US? How do you see them balancing between these two powers? Um, so for the moment, clearly, there is no uh, um, there is no sense at all that Gulf countries could choose China over the US uh, because the US remains uh, a key partner for the Gulf. And as we've seen during um, during the Iran escalation uh, the past few months, um, not the past few months, but in, uh, in the autumn 2019 and early 2020, something that was very clear was that China was not ready to, to really get engaged um, on the security front uh, of that crisis. And, and China has been quite absent from, uh, from the escalation. It, some Chinese officials have made meetings with both sides, but this has remained quite low key and they have really refused to get entangled into, into the Middle Eastern uh, politics and, and security issues. And I think that Gulf states and Gulf leaders are quite aware of, of the fact that China is not willing to, to step up on this front. And um, so they're not really expecting much from China uh, on this uh, on this front, and and they still consider the U.S. as being their main um, their main ally. Of course, the thing is that because the U.S. are giving signs that they are um, they have an increasing fatigue towards the Middle East, they are giving signs that they want to withdraw. Although this is not necessarily happening uh, in reality, but. But uh, there's this psychological withdrawal of the of the U.S. from from the region, and yes, this is definitely pushing Gulf countries to try to diversify their relationships and try to to look towards the East. But but saying that they would replace China, uh, they would replace the U.S. by China, this is this is not happening um, anytime soon, and it's it's probably not happening in the yes in the years to come. And when we see a case with Israel when um, with the U.S. have been putting quite a lot of pressure on Israel to to slow down their relationship with China, um, and we see that at the end um, Israel is quite responding to to this uh, to these U.S. pressures. So it's quite likely that the the the, the situation would be the same in the Gulf. And do you see? Is there are there any signs of Gulf states? 
um, sorry, of China uh, displaying any willingness to, to, to replace some of the traditional U.S. roles, particularly in the security and military arenas, um, for instance, military training or, or exercises or any uh, defense uh, relationships. In, in other words, should U.S. diplomats and military commanders be worried? China, I mean, the, the, the Chinese, uh, when they look at the Middle East, they still consider that is, it is a region that is still far away from their core priorities uh, and that is very highly complicated for, that, for them. And so they are interested in slowly building up their relationship uh, as well in the security front. And so China has conducted some uh, military exercises uh, with both uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia at the end of last year. Um, they have a base now in Djibouti that is becoming quite prominent and they are using it to do also some, some naval exercise around the Gulf of Aden. Uh, but at the same time, as I said, they don't want to get um, to get dragged into Middle Eastern security uh, troubles, and they still consider that they are uh, that it's a learning curve for them. They're learning, uh, so but they still consider that they're at the beginning of this learning curve, and they don't want. They're playing a fine line here because they know that if they become much more prominent on the security front. First, they're going to raise expectations from countries of the region, and this is not what they want. And they're going also to reinforce the antagonism with the U.S., which is not something that they want either, because they have been, um, they have been happy with the security umbrella that was secured by the U.S. until now. Uh, they've been uh, using this, uh, this security umbrella uh, and this freedom of navigation around important uh, straits and choke points. Uh, this is very important for them. And, and until now, they've been, um, they've been enjoying this without having to invest the level of, of um, engagement, security engagements that the US have uh, involved, uh, engaged in the region. So, so there is no incentive for now for the, for the Chinese to really, really step up their security involvement in the region. Maybe just on that security involvement, I mean, I think the Chinese have also benefited um, from the U.S.'s um, limitations on that security relationship with countries in the Gulf, right? So um, certain uh, in the past, certain export controls uh, on um, the export of certain military equipment have allowed China to actually fill a gap uh, with regards to um, supplying its own uh, defense um, equipment systems and platforms uh, to the region. Do you think that this will continue in the near future? Yes, and indeed, this that's what has been happening mainly with the, with the drones uh, uh, sales from China to, to the region. And what the interesting part of this is also how this has pushed the U.S. to also review some of its uh, limitations and regulations around uh, drone exports uh, or sensitive arms exports to to the Gulf. Uh, so, but um, so it's it's likely to continue, and it's likely to to continue shaping as well the way other countries, including the US or Western countries, are considering their exports uh, to the region, which is probably the, the, most interesting, uh, the most interesting trend to watch. 
So to what extent uh, is China interested or showing willingness to uh, step up to some of the traditional roles that were played by the U.S., particularly in the security and military arenas? Should U.S. diplomats and military commanders be worried? So indeed, the the Chinese have stepped up their their security uh, relationship with the region, but at the same time, they consider that they are this is a learning curve for them as well. This is a region that is far away. This is a region that is complicated for complicated for them, and and it's it's also it's not one of their core security priority at the moment. So it's a learning curve, and they've been uh, they have uh, built up this uh, this base in Djibouti that is becoming quite important, and that allows them to to conduct some naval and maritime security um, exercises around the Gulf of Aden and and be present in this uh, in this area. They have also uh, made uh, conducted some exercises with uh, both Saudi Arabia and Iran uh, last year. Um, so, so this is something that they are interested in, in deepening the relationship, but at the same time, they are not interested, as I said, they're not interested in, uh, really, uh, getting dragged into the, the, the complexity of, uh, of the Middle East, uh, uh, rivalries and, this is not uh, until now they have uh, enjoyed very much the the u.s security umbrella in the region and and the u.s has accused them sometimes to be a free rider uh, in this area because they have enjoyed the freedom of navigation around the the major choke points uh the strait of warmers but also babel mandeb the red sea and they have enjoyed the the maritime security in this region without really contributing uh, to it, uh, and so they have no real incentive to to change this position because it would both if if they did so it would not only increase the the expectations from the Gulf side on what they can deliver and they don't necessarily want this, but it would also uh, deepen the 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 antagony of of the U.S. and um, they don't necessarily want this either. So so until now they have been quite content with with the situation with the status quo. Maybe moving on to another significant part of the bilateral relationship between Gulf states and China, um, the the energy relationship. Now there seems to be a dilemma here at the moment whereby the Gulf states, for their economic recovery, will rely on. How Asian economies recover themselves, um, but at the same time, China has also, uh, in recent years, started to diversify its energy sources away from a reliance on the Gulf. So, how do you see this playing out, Camille? So, definitely, I think one of the major uh, element uh, to understand how Gulf states' economies are going to recover in the coming month is to understand how Asian economies are going to recover, uh, because one of the main pillar of the relationship until now uh, in the relationship between China and Gulf states has been energy, uh, the energy relationship. And uh, GCC states have been uh, exporting uh, almost a fifth of their, of their energy exports are going to China uh, today. Uh, they are also one of the main providers of oil to, to China. Saudi Arabia with, with Russia is, is the biggest uh, the biggest uh, oil exported to China. So, so this relationship is very important, but at the same time, 
the Chinese have been very careful of uh, diversifying their sources, their energy sources, uh, deepening their, their own domestic production, also uh, trying to, to import more oil from other countries, so from Russia, from, from Brazil. And, uh, and so when you look at the numbers, although their, uh, their imports from Saudi Arabia, their oil imports have increased quite significantly in 2019, they have jumped 47, 47%. Um, when you look uh, at the overall dependence on oil exports, uh, their dependence on Saudi Arabia has decreased over, over the past decade from about 20% to 10%. So, so, the, so China is being quite careful on that. And we see that during the, during the, the, oil, the low oil prices these past few months, uh, Gulf countries have been trying to make important discounts towards Asia with in a trial as well to try to to get more market shares towards uh, from a from uh, from China but um, on the long term this is not really likely to affect uh, China's efforts to diversify uh, its energy sources there are also some some questions about is coal going to be to become again one of the important source of China's uh, uh, development uh, during uh, during the the crisis. Um, so uh, also, what kind of role the renewables are going to play? Is the crisis going to uh, reinforce uh, China's attempt to 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 move towards more renewables, or on the contrary, is it going to to slow down uh, this uh, this transition, so it's quite difficult at the moment to really assess this. But um, but it looks like yes, it's it's difficult to know in the longer term how how the energy relationship between the Gulf and China is going to evolve. But it's definitely going to be very important for Gulf Gulf states. And just as a follow-up, Camille, I mean, I know that um, we've talked in the past uh, bilaterally about how. Um, Gulf states are also seeking to diversify their economies. Um, considering the current COVID pandemic, how dire is um, the economic slowdown in the Gulf? Is it similar to what we're seeing elsewhere? It's the the economic slowdown is is going to to affect Gulf countries very very heavily because. The problem is that despite efforts to diversify their economies, uh, we see with this crisis that they are still extremely reliant on uh, on energy exports. It still represents something around 65% of of the of the state uh, budget uh, in countries like Saudi Arabia. So so it is um, it is something that is still uh, weighing very heavily on on their economies. Uh, they're also facing a lot of uh, other issues, such as um, the fact that they have been um, investing in industries uh, for their diversification that also have been affected by the crisis, especially uh, tourism, transports, um, uh, air traffic, etc. So. So they are facing a very complicated moment and there are some uh, expectations from economists that it could be an, an L-shape uh, uh, recovery so that, that there could be a shift uh, durable uh, uh, in their economies uh, that might take a lot of time to recover. 
And of course, the other uh, big economic aspect of um, China's relationship with the Gulf is the uh, Belt and Road Initiative, the BRI. So um, how has COVID affected the cooperation between, between the Gulf and China on the BRI? It is still uh, it is still a bit early to really assess this uh, because it's been only a few months. One interesting thing is to see that even before uh, the COVID pandemic, there was uh, a beginning of rethinking from the Chinese side and uh, and and um, yes, rethinking of of the BRI initiative. Uh, because they have been facing a number of difficulties, they have been facing a number of criticism as well around the the the, the possible political agenda that they had behind this uh, this project, and so it is difficult to know how this is going to affect Gulf countries uh, for the moment. Uh, but um, we are speaking about the fact that China might face some um, some risk of debt. Uh, uh, crisis along the BRI. Uh, this is less uh, relevant for the Gulf because Gulf states have this financial cushion that allows them to go through the crisis uh, and they're not going to be confronted to the same difficulties that uh, less wealthy countries along the BRI are going to face. But still, uh, uh, on the long term, the problem is that if China decides to refocus a little bit its BRI uh, investments on core priorities, the question is to what extent Gulf countries are still going to be on, on, on that map uh, and still be considered as very important. Uh, on the Gulf side as well, the problem is that Gulf countries themselves have been very important um, investors into these uh, these projects because they wanted to attract to attract Chinese interest and investments, and so they had the possibility in the past to invest a lot in projects to, uh, with the aim of attracting uh, uh, Chinese uh, companies and interests. But one question is also to what extent Gulf countries will be able to continue this at least to the same pace. Uh, than before um, and we see in terms during like the early month of the crisis we see that uh, the sovereign wealth funds in the Gulf have been in a, on the shopping spree and it's, they seem to refocus a bit more on the on the traditional Western markets so it is it is difficult to assess for the moment but there is how the Gulf countries are going to be able to to react to that. There is how China is going to to be able or not to continue the same pace of investments and projects in in countries like the Gulf. At the same time, if we look at a more positive, more optimist um, scenario, uh, the Gulf states might be among the only ones who have the same financial capacity to continue investing in these projects in times of economic crisis. Uh, there might be also interesting um, opportunities for Chinese investments in times of crisis in Gulf countries. So it is it is difficult to assess. It, there, there could be a positive, an optimistic scenario. There could be a, a more pessimistic one. Um, there are also less wealthy Gulf countries uh, like Oman. Uh, who had some projects that have taken some time to take off, like uh, like the port of Dukum, and uh, and they have not managed to attract the investments uh, expected. So we see today that Muscat is turning more towards its neighbors for financial support, 
And that could be also a sign that it doesn't really want to increase further its dependence on Chinese money because uh, Oman is already one of the most indebted uh, Middle Eastern countries toward China. So um, it, is, it is difficult to assess and it will probably depend on which projects and which countries and how, how much they are happy or not to continue um, uh, investing in, in those joint projects. I mean, maybe just in terms of what types of projects we see um, that are BRI labeled uh, in the Gulf countries, um, am I right to think that it's less about heavy infrastructure, uh, roads, railroads, uh, and and ports, maybe ports being the exception, and more about um, uh, high technology investment, so looking more towards the digital Silk Road? So you're right. Uh, a lot of the projects have been still uh, on uh, hard infrastructure, but we see that over the past few years, uh, we see really a reinforcing trends of investments in high tech, uh, high technologies, uh, especially with with the UAE. The UAE has has been doing a lot of efforts uh, to try to develop their um, their own, their own digital sector. And, uh, and to attract Chinese investments on that front. And over the past, yes, two, three years, uh, we have seen a lot of uh, joint projects or investments uh, for going both sides uh, for, for this kind of high-tech sector uh, projects uh, between China and, and the Middle East. And do you think, Camille, that because of the involvement uh, or greater involvement in the digital Silk Road of private sector companies in China, and we can, of course, debate the nature of the private sector in China, but there is a greater involvement in uh, strategic actors in the private sector in uh, digital Silk Road projects that perhaps we won't necessarily see a slowdown due to COVID? Or or do you think it'll be the same as other Belt and Road Initiative uh, projects where we might see a pause um, due to difficulties of repaying loans, uh, etc. This is a possibility indeed. There is also the fact that the high-tech sector is a sector that is less impacted by the crisis and could also become even more relevant uh, with, uh, with this crisis. And so it is very likely that on the contrary uh, to, to the energy sector or the infrastructure sector, this sector could, could uh, benefit a lot uh, from the aftermath of the crisis. And uh, there was uh, a declaration just a few days ago uh, from uh, Mubadala as well, the, the Emirati uh, Wealth Fund, which uh, is signaling that they're trying to invest a lot at the moment on such projects in the high-tech sector uh, in Asian countries. So, uh, so this, we see that for the moment, this is probably going to become quite an interesting trend in the years to come. And, and uh, the UAE, especially uh, like Israel, but also Saudi Arabia, Turkey, have, been, have made a lot of efforts to try to go into that direction uh, in their relationship with China. Thanks, Camille. Let's definitely keep an eye on these developments. And thank you a lot for joining us today and sharing your insights on this. And thank you also to our audience for listening. Please subscribe to Sound Strategic for more in-depth discussions like this and also to our um, social media uh, venues such as Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So see you next time.